This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hi, everybody. This is uh, actually my first show in 2022. This is episode number, I made my notes, 113. And today we're going to speak about uh, the ethics of gamification. Um, so there is obviously some ethics behind it. But before we're going to do this, allow me to introduce uh, actually my uh, honorable host uh, guests today. I'm the host, uh, my honorable guests today. Um, and let me start with Melinda Jacobs and uh, I will invite you to speak a sentence about you and introduce yourself. So Melinda, ladies first, um, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you here today? Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm here today because I've been working in gamification for over, I guess, about 12 years now, since very early back in academia. And uh, for about 10 years, I ran an uh, agency that specialized in gamification. And I'm currently leading a startup along with my business partner that uh, is trying to combine gamification and uh, well-being together. And, and what is the startup's name, Melinda? Uh, Perkio. And the agency was called Subatomic. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Melinda. Um, 12 years of experience. We're going to kind of, we're going to prick your brain on this. Um, Mieszko, uh, hello. Uh, also, welcome to the show. Um, explain us why you are here today. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you for having me. So my name is Mieszko Cizik. Um, I have a background in industrial engineering and also had a uh, uncompleted master's in uh philosophy of science, which involved quite a bit of ethics, actually. So I hope I remember some of it. <laughs> uh, more concretely, uh, I'm a serial uh, entrepreneur. Um, I'm currently running a company called Fangs Network, which allows you to create uh, blockchain-based tokens, which allow for uh, all kinds of gamification use cases as well. Uh, I will argue that those can be both good and bad. So. Uh, uh, I suppose that's the, the main reason I'm here. Um, yeah, looking forward to the to this talk today. Thank you very much. In particular, the philosophical part are going to be very interesting to speak about that one. Um, last but definitely not least, Karim Dehali. Karim, um, say some some words to you. Say something. Say something clever. Well, I'm here because you promised me some additional experience points if I participated. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I'm. Uh, Kareem Dahali, I'm the founder of Investor. Uh, we help people learn to, how to invest, and we use gamification in order to do that. Uh, and then we help them choose the right investments, and then we help them learn from other people as well. And then in the US, when they're ready, they can open a, a bank account, a brokerage account, and a crypto account with us. And I've been doing that for the last uh, nine years. And before that, for my sins, I spent 30 years being an entrepreneur in the financial uh, services industry. Wonderful. Uh, you've worked really, I think, really with the incumbents uh, as much as I know. 
I've worked with a lot of very large, uh, you know, global organizations and run, uh, I ran some very large uh, global businesses. And okay. I'm having a lot more fun uh, managing a startup that uses gamification. All right. So wonderful. So I, I think we can see that today we have a, a great group of guests and actually we can achieve a very holistic 360 degree view to the to to the topic of gamification. And and jumping into that, I, I think, first of all, I always like to give uh, a kind of definition, right? Because uh, out of my years of experience, I learned that a lot of people use a lot of buzzwords and they're all very happy to use it in English because that would mean that nobody really knows what we speak about, but the buzzword itself is great. Uh, so let us let us give let us try to give an explanation or like let us try to give a definition to gamification. I would love to uh, start, uh, Melinda, starting on that. Actually, you as a consultant and and being very deep in the topic, what is what what is the definition of gamification? What is gamification? So what I see gamification as is it's not so much about just game mechanics and business settings, but it's really understanding good system design, which is essentially what games are, is their rules, their restrictions, their stories, their narratives. And what good game designers do is they help those games come to life by making these systems clear and transparent for people to explore and engage with. So it's it's not so much, okay, let's take things from games and kind of push them into other settings because magically games are magic and they will do this, but it's it's looking at a holistic picture of what something is and trying to make it more accessible and understandable in that manner. So it's the process. It's not only the design, but also the process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, you can think of games also as a big feedback system. And so mm -hmm. if we want to encourage behavior in an app or a platform or an event or an experience, when we say, hey, good job, and we give the confettis and, you know, you get points, it's not that you're just giving these points for no reason or giving that feedback for no reason, but you want to communicate to people, hey, this worked well in the system. This got you to where you want to try to get. And that's just one then piece in the whole big puzzle of how all these little interactions come together. So a leaderboard only is not gamification. It's just a leaderboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, wonderful. No, I, I'm, I'm just using one of those language apps and they introduced a leaderboard. Mm -hmm. Actually, they're really a, a pain, so to oh. say. I'm not telling you where, but they are telling me like, yeah, I should have, I should, you, you, Matthias, you must learn more because if you learn, if you continue at that speed, you will not be in the top 10 and you will not come to Silver League, which I disclose hereby, I'm in the Bronze League. So, uh, <laughs> so I said, yeah, well, okay, fine. I will not make it this week, maybe next week. I, I, I have the feeling this is kind of a missed opportunity, isn't it? So, but we come to this later. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm using the same language app, uh, Matthias. Is, is that? Yeah, I'm not. No, I don't think I even made it to the bronze league yet. Yeah, I'm <laughs> guessing I can guess what both of you are using, but <laughs> we're at the mysteria. <laughs> you know, I have to. I have to complete on my 2021 ambition to learn more Italian. Actually, so this is 2022. So I'm, I'm obviously not in the bronze league anyhow, in any meaning. So, Mishko, do you agree with Melinda's definition of, of gamification? Is is everything in what you would say is is needed for the definition itself? Well, absolutely. I think it's hard to say it better, <laughs> you know, and I think part of the problem that sometimes is confused is people look at incentives, right, and call it gamification. 
right? So mm -hmm. economic incentives, that's all actually what a lot of stuff is about in the blockchain space. Uh, and that that doesn't, in my opinion, always count as gamification, right? So that's like economic incentives is not the same as gamification. It can be, it can be a way of, uh, you know, aligning, uh, you know, uh, a community to achieve certain goals, for example. Uh, and uh, and blockchain in in our case enables it to do it in a uh, yeah trustless manner, which also could be a buzzword. We can talk about that later. Um, but you know that that might be one of the issues. Um, yeah, maybe what I could add. You always in the more business setting, it's a less holistic view than Melinda uh, explained to us. But you have these things like serious games, right? So which introduce play. Um, in in ways to learn something or to discover a new new uh, business models and stuff like this or maybe connect to your audience or your mem your members or your employees um so that 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 are examples of gamification that maybe are more um you know true to the um you know the the meaning that melinda just gave us instead of just looking at economic incentives okay before before we we discuss how we can use or not uh, use gamification for businesses, Melinda, let us try to draw a clear line of demarcation in between gamification and games, right? Because I think if it would be the same, we would use the same words. So out of this understanding, I would say there must be a difference. And and by the logic of setting up the word gamifying, it is like gamish, so to say to me which means it is not a game, right? So there must be a difference. But this is one of the big confusion points actually I see all and everywhere. It's like, yeah, yeah, we are we are in games as well. We gamify. No, you're not in games, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what is the difference between a game and a gamification? Yeah, I mean, this could be an academic podcast of itself yeah. because yeah. honestly, no one almost ever entirely agrees on where that line is. But the general consensus is typically when something's for pure entertainment value, that it goes more on that game side. Or if it's more self-contained without real world consequences, that's kind of where the line is. But you can also say, well, you know, if a game is a system of rules and there's a clear goal and objective and, you know, there's a good feedback system, so many things in life can fit within that. And I think that's the challenge of what do we do with the term gamification? Because is it really all that different? Or how would we sort of put these different things into their separate buckets when, yeah, it's it's a very much a semantics discussion. Yeah, Karen. No, look, I, think, I think it's important to draw the distinction between games and gamification. I mean, games, I think Melinda's definition is fantastic for a game. It is a complete system where there are rules and objectives and ways in which people uh, interact with each other. I think of gamification as being a little bit more trivial than that. And in fact, if you, I mean, gamification is all around us. So I have a six-year-old daughter who goes to school and she gets stars when she does well, and they have a little you know, ladder board system. Uh, it's like a weather system. She's in the gold sunshine when she's behaving really, really well. And she's in the thundercloud when she's, when she's misbehaving and being naughty at school. And then even when I was sort of driving to see my mother the other day on the weekend and I uh, going through a 20 mile an hour uh, speed zone, I got a big green smiley face because I was doing 17 miles an hour. And I'm sure you know, then I think later in the day, I was maybe going too fast and I got a big red angry face because I was going at 22 miles an hour or something like that. So I think gamification is to take elements 
that are used in games and to apply them in, in, different, uh, in different situations. And I think, um, and maybe we'll talk about this later when we start to talk about ethics, but I think that's, that's where part of the problem with gamification uh, lies. I think, you know, gamification to me is a, is a tool you can, you know, use it to encourage good behavior uh, or to discourage bad behavior, but sometimes the way it is used uh, can, be, can have negative outcomes. All right, so you're already two steps ahead because... Right, yeah, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> because, you know, you know, the Germans have a structure. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the structure is that we have, and this is maybe also quite interesting for the audience, after mm -hmm. we did the definition, we will come to the application and then we will come to the evaluation. So to say, well, do we think it's good or bad? And what is the, the pros and cons to this? Would it be fair actually to say that games versus gamification that games normally always promise to be in a safe environment that you are that a game is made to win because the game is motivating while maybe i financial a gamified financial services process like a brokerage transaction is not promised to win you know what i mean like you're not in the safe harbor then would that be a difference of games to gamification as well Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that sort of line between real-world consequences and indeed exactly. safe places to play. And of course, people can perceive games may have real-world consequences if they're very invested in them as well. But it's it's I, I think that's the best line indeed to draw because it is the biggest difference of okay, what's really on the line here? Do I understand what the consequences will be in this environment? It's it's this this real world actually consequences I like a lot because I always compare it like what is the if if somebody is unclear between uh, regarding the difference of gamification and games I always compare it like you have a gamified airplane cockpit versus a flight simulation game mm -hmm. you know it I think it's very easy to figure out what the consequences yeah. are actually <laughs> but I think that that makes it pretty clear Mishko you want to say. Yeah. yeah, and maybe to add to this, I think also what's important is that the uh, rules are clear, right? I think yeah. Melinda mentioned this, um, because if the rules are not clear, there is even a word for this, right? You're being gamed, which right. usually in English has a negative uh, sound to it, because it is, right? If you are uh, in a game-like setting and you don't know the rules, um, and if they have real world consequences that could be even worse right and you don't know these rules that's the area where problems uh, uh you know uh, emerge um so i think uh, for a game it's important to know the rules that the rules are tr transparent or discoverable you know there's there it's okay to discover the rules but it must be possible for the players to to know what's what's going on And as a player in the game, you learn the rules without these real-world consequences, you know, because you get maybe another three lives. And the worst that can happen is, uh, to you is that you have to do an in-game uh, kind of merchandising or in-game acquisition for whatever to get additional lives. But then you're back in the game. It's unlike that you are in the stock exchange and you lost the money and then you, somebody will give you back the 10K you just burned in GameStop. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, I think that's I think that's yeah. a really you know that's part of the value of games and gamification if we lump them together for 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 a minute is that you can help people learn about the real world without having real world consequences and, exactly. and it's particularly important. I mean, there are a lot of things in life that are important, but you know, money is money is something that's that's important to people. Obviously, health as well. 
Um, and it's 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 good to be able to give people exposure. In, I mean, this is what we do to helping them learn how to manage their money without having the real world consequences of when they make bad decisions of losing that money. And so it helps them build the knowledge and the experience, and then ultimately the confidence to go and do it uh, to go and do it for real. So and 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 then we are already uh, kind of heading into the next section and saying, okay, after we did the definition, let us talk about how we can apply and and how we can use maybe gamification in an uh, entrepreneurial, corporate world way and setup. And Karim, uh, you you mentioned in the beginning that uh, you at Investor uh, you you're into games since you started the whole thing, and you mentioned education and so on. Why can you can you share your motivation why you did this and and why sure. you're still doing it? Obviously. So look, I mean, we think that investing is fundamentally about the future. So it's when you invest, and we're talking not just about money, but when you invest in your health and your personal relationships and your money. This is probably one of the most important things that any of us do any day of any day of the week. So investing is fun. You know, by investing, we help to create potentially better outcomes for ourselves in the future. And when we set about, when we first launched Investor, and we set about trying to understand what the real customer need was, it became very, very apparent that people lacked the knowledge and the experience and the confidence to invest, but they wanted, uh, they wanted to do it, but they, but they lacked uh, the confidence to do it. And so what we realized early on is that we needed to help educate uh, our members And when you think about education, I think people, you know, confuse, very often confuse content with education and education with learning. And when you think about learning and the way that all of us naturally learn how to do things, it's by, uh, it's by playing or by doing. It's by, you know, doing it hands-on. It's not sitting in, in a classroom. I mean, we don't learn about life by sitting in a classroom. We crawl around when we're, you know, six months old or nine months old and, you know, put our fingers and toes where they shouldn't be and hurt ourselves and That's how we learn about the real world. So it's, it's by doing. And as we were just discussing, the problem with investing is if you try and do it for real, you can get hurt. And that can have that can have both negative short-term consequences and, and negative long-term consequences because we don't want to discourage people from doing what we think through a bad short-term experience, from doing what we think is probably the most important thing that they can do in their lives, which is to invest. And so that's when we realized that we can use gamification and a, and a game that we call fantasy finance to help people learn about investing uh, without in a, in a real world setting, but without taking real world risk. And so on investor in fantasy finance, everyone gets a million dollars that they get to deploy and the market prices is streaming, is streaming real time data. And they get to execute trades during the market open. So they learn about how you know, markets operate. Uh, and they see they, the feedback. I think Melinda mentioned the feedback that our users get is instantaneous. I mean, you, because we've got streaming real-time data, we have streaming uh, performance, and you can see immediately whether you're making or losing money. And so we've created this, whether you call it a game or a gamified environment for people to learn about investing without taking real risk. And we've had um, uh, almost 3 million people around the world play uh, very, very, uh, uh, various uh, games that we've deployed. So this means what, what I what I some of you might know that the first company uh, the first bank I did co set up was a discount broker uh, back in the mid 90s mm -hmm. you know uh, of the last millennium so quite a while ago um, and and Karen this is why I can 
totally follows so much what you're saying. And what you're saying is actually a customer that who loses money on the stock exchange is a is a burned customer. He or she exactly. will come back. Uh, so there's a there's a reason for you as a company to have happy customers. And education means you have happy customers, and a happy customer has a longer time lifetime and comes and will achieve his or her ambition, like having more money, uh, maybe pension whatsoever. You know, so I, I would say to, to, to achieve that core motivation. This is this is this is what this is what I hear out of you, like education, longer lifetime value, longer lifetime, longer lifetime value. Um, um, yeah. Uh, and by that being a sustainable customer, which also leads to a healthy company, then actually. Yes. And, Look, and a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge believer that these days you need to have a, a very, very strong social purpose uh, to as part of your as as an integral part of your business model. And we believe quite passionately that by helping our members to become successful investors that they will in return reward us with their loyalty, their trust, and uh, you know, and, and, and help us to be, be a sustainable business ourselves. So we think it's a, very, it's a very symbiotic relationship. We help them, they help us. But at the core of it is, is uh, the educational offering that we have. And at the core of that is the way that we use games or gamification to enable. And, and having fun, by the way. Of course, yeah. Having make, we make it fun, we make it social, we make it easy. Absolutely. Well, don't don't we have fun when we visit our accounts online? Don't we all have fun when visiting our accounts online? I normally have a lot of fun, you know. <laughs> Tears in my eyes, but not because it's, I'm so happy. Right. Mishka, what, what could you add to this, out of your perspective and your business experience? What could you add to this? Why why should we take care of gamification? Why do you take care, or why do you think of gamification when you set up a business? Yeah, I like Karen's focus on education. I think you know that as a goal of gamification is always almost always worthwhile, right? It's hard to argue against that. Um, you know, in the case of what Fangs Network is doing, it's actually providing you know uh, people like Melinda and, and and the companies the opportunity to uh, develop gamified uh, systems, right? So we are like an infrastructure provider, uh, which you know maybe it makes it a bit easier for me to say, well, that's not my problem what you do with our tools, right? So there is a bit bit of ambiguity there. Um, but to explain how how this came about and why we decided to do this, what we do. So I, uh, in my former company, we used to create online communities. Uh, a couple of those were pretty successful and we're uh, building the online community for Greenpeace International. So this is, was the place where the volunteers are globally connected to build a better planet. Uh, and there are actually a couple of hundred thousand people on there. Um, and we saw that in some settings, in some countries, uh, this worked great, right? People were able to find each other for the first time instead of being in some obscure database over at the uh, uh, Greenpeace headquarters, which is in Amsterdam, by the way, at least uh, for Europe. Um, they were able to log in and see that maybe they're neighbor or maybe somebody two streets away was also a Greenpeace volunteer connect and do something in their neighborhood, right? So this worked great, but we also saw that for some reason, which at the time could not discover, it worked well in some settings and less, much less so in others, uh, local settings. So that's uh, the reason why we developed uh, our first gamified system at the time. And it was really, really basic. It was simply... Uh, rewarding people with badges which had no 
real world meaning whatsoever uh, to complete their profile um, and enter their, um, you know, it was not even, I think it was the postal code or something like this. So it wasn't even your address because that's uh, kind of privacy sensitive. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we rewarded this with this simple badge and we immediately saw, uh, you know, the engagement and, and people making connections went much better, right? So this simple mechanism um, really inspired us to, you know, take this and the results for Greenpeace became much better, right? So people were uh, um, coming to events more, they were finding other volunteers to organize things in their neighborhoods. So that really inspired us to, to build a system that would enable similar things uh, in other settings. So you, know, you really, sorry, but I need to dig into this a second, at least. You really, you really have data that proves that gamification or adding gamification components did increase the activity even then outside the community. Yes, we have this uh, case in the Netherlands. It's it's oh. a couple of years old, but it definitely shows this that uh, the, the situation before and after uh, it was a drastic improvement of a couple of hundred percent. Mm -hmm. So so uh, you know not everything was perfect in this community. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, it still failed huh. in in some uh, in some countries, for example, uh, for various reasons, and it was a huge success in others. But uh, yes, this uh, this modification definitely worked. Yes. All right. So it's about engagement. It's about mobilize mobilization. Is that what I hear? Yeah. Uh, yes. In this case, yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, uh, but I think you know, completing profile is actually pretty good uh, uh, thing, uh, in my opinion, to to have as a easy gamification goal for a lot of online tooling. But mm -hmm. you know. Melinda can tell us that there are thousands of others <laughs> and yeah. probably much smarter ones as well. And, and, and as we will, we are heading towards the break, but Melinda, we will burn all this down in the second part of the session. So, but let, <laughs> us, let us first build it up, you know? So actually, <laughs> is, it, is it also that we, uh, Karim and Mishko, would you also say you experienced your KPIs to improve by gamification, like cost of customer acquisition, uh, customer lifetime value, is there anything you could share? Uh, look, definitely. There was a public um, case study that Facebook did on our customer acquisition, which, I mean, they showcased us as being best in class because we had by far, by far the cheapest uh, customer acquisition. And actually Snapchat did a similar um, uh, case study that was public, but it hasn't been, it's not publicly available today. And so we were, we definitely were able to acquire users Uh, at a much, much cheaper cost. It was both down to the, the gamification features that we offer and also the social features. I mean, the, the two of the things that people love to do most on their mobile phones is to play games and to connect with each other. And we were offering, you know, we offer both of those elements. And so that was, we were able to drive down acquisition costs because it was an easier sell uh, rather than saying, here's a brokerage account, please open a brokerage account, very competitive, very kind of fairly boring uh, proposition. But the other thing that we find is that our engagement levels and our retention levels are up to seven times higher than our peer group. So we get we get actually double the engagement time per session of any of our uh, any of our competitors, and we're getting about up to seven times the you know the the one and three month retention levels uh, of our of our of our peer group as well. So it's good all the way through uh, the funnel. 
And one last sentence before the break, Mirko. Uh, you spoke about the community on the one side, and then you added gamification. Would you also say that gamification is stronger than the community as an engagement layer? Or is the combination the good thing? No, it's definitely the combination, right? I always recommend to grow community first and then uh, add gamification if you can, then the other way around. Uh, other, if you, you know, if you invent the incentives first and in some way, even unintended way, they are perverted uh, <laughs> or maybe not entirely aligned with, with what your vision is of what you want to achieve, you will attract the wrong people uh, or attract the right people for the wrong reasons and, and things will uh, eventually break down. So um, no, community first. All right. Thank you so much. So that was part one of uh, episode 113, 113, Ethics of Gamification. And if you want to listen actually to why all this maybe is totally wrong, what we spoke about now and why there is the title Ethics of Gamification and not just the glory of gamification, stay tuned. Uh, we will be back shortly. The FTS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. I, I knew you were you would be staying because it's really an exciting topic we're speaking uh, about today. It's about the ethics of gamification. Extremely exciting. And I promise you, you get 50 coins for staying on the show. Um, <laughs> send, you, send me your email and I will scan some and send them to you. Melinda, just before the break, we stopped by... The, the, all the positive and, and the reasons why we should think of uh, gamification as a maybe component to a business uh, UX, so to say, user experience and customer experience. Um, but are, are we sure that there are not some maybe traps coming with that, that it could be misunderstood? Karim, you mentioned in the first part of the show that, uh, you know, sharing kind of with your daughter's experience that when she's well-behaving, she's on the sunny side in the reporting. If there was a misbehavior, she's on the thundercloud. You know, isn't that manipulating people totally? I would find, I would find that to be extremely awkward, right? Melinda, how, how, explain my feelings on this, please. Yeah, and I think that's the, the tough part of any feedback system is that it has to be created by someone who has an opinion about what good behavior is or bad behavior is. And on top of whether or not you would agree that that's good or bad behavior, you also have to think about how you're delivering that message to somebody. You know, in a way, it's more compassionate than just a big no or yes for the speed limit. That might be a better message is, okay, let's package it in a nice narrative with a smiley face or an unhappy face to soften that blow. Where for, for children in school or for workers, uh, you know, when you have a hyper monitoring system that's giving feedback, if you have to move quicker or, you know, you have to go slower, it can it can be really Uh, demotivating to a lot of people and not necessarily created with the end user's best intent in mind, but rather from the perspective of the, the person designing the system. And I think that's where a lot of this uh, ethics gets into play of is 
you know, are you being transparent about the fact you created this system and why you're deeming something good or bad in the system? And do people even know they're in a system to get a little bit matrixy there? But, you know, there's also ways you can create experiences that people have no idea they're, they're sitting in. And so they're getting feedback that they may mistake for real life feedback, as opposed for sort of this artificial story that actually they're, they're sitting in. Would it, that, that, and, and this is me, this is why I said in the beginning, we're going to speak about the philosophical part, actually, you know, because if you, you, who are you in the system? In what system are you aware of the system? What is, what is the carrot that is kind of hanging in front of your face? And is it like when we come to, uh, to all this, is this your carrot, which is good for you as a player, or is that the carrot of the one who is offering it, you know, which is good for the company maybe? And let me, of course, because it's, it's, it's kind of the elephant in the room when we speak about that, let me share one of those headlines uh, we have seen uh, while preparing for that show is, for instance, Robin Hood faces legal action over gamification of investing. Is is that one of those cases actually? And Karim, you are in the investment in <laughs> investing industry. I play that to you. Sorry, I have to. No, you look. I mean, actually, Forbes uh, described us as the number one anti-Robinhood, uh, precisely ah, because you know, and and right. uh, and so it's appropriate that, that we talk about it. Let me let me talk generically rather than talking about you know one of our one of our competitors specifically. Absolutely. And I think, I think Melinda, you know, made, made a, uh, something she mentioned, I think is very, very relevant. You know, we talk about gamification and elements of gamification. And if people are interested, there's a really exciting September 2021 SEC report. I, I, I don't encourage people to read it, but there's a very comprehensive and it's a very, it's a pretty dry list on, you know, what they consider um, all the very many elements that they include in, the, in gamification. And I think when we're evaluating ethics of gamification, I think it's more than just the elements that you need to look at. I think you know there's a there's a framework that I like to consider, which is what are the intents of the actors, the people who are designing designing the system, and are those intentions explicit and clearly understood by everyone on the platform? The second uh, point is what are the tools that they use, and more importantly, even than what are the tools that they leave out. Because when you play a game, there are good outcomes and there are bad outcomes in games. And what we find very often you know, in the financial world is that the elements of gamification that are used are only positive elements. And the bad, you know, the bad elements, so you know, I've done badly in my in my brokerage portfolio, or I don't get confetti, I get, you know, I get lemon faces instead. People tend not to use those, and so by by leaving out, you know, the distribution of of, um, of, of tools that are, that are used, we can potentially create misleading uh, uh, depictions of what the real world looks like. And in financial sense, in in financial markets, I think this is where it's really important from a brokerage and an investing point of view. You risk giving people the impression that investing is all hunky-dory, that there are no bad outcomes, that everything is a world full of confetti. And that way you start to encourage actually bad behavior or reckless behavior. And then the third, so the, the elements that you use, you know, and, and unfortunately I think sometimes gamification elements are used too selectively to achieve um, you know, outcomes uh, on behalf of the, of the originator. And so the third element is what are those outcomes? 
And even sometimes where you have good intentions, you can lead to, to bad outcomes. And I think, as Melinda said, also, as, as you just mentioned, it needs to be the outcomes. You need to be targeting good outcomes for the users and not for the, uh, not for the uh, designer of the system. This is why I wouldn't ever look at gamification as just uh, the elements of it is because that's indeed where you get those not complete narratives or you're only showing part of the system. You know, it's games, again, it's not just that a confetti, a positive feedback, that these are games only mechanics, but rather they tell a complete story. And yeah, like you were just saying as well, is when there's a positive feedback, there most often is also a negative outcome also possible because mm -hmm. otherwise it wouldn't be an encouraged behavior with a, oh, okay, this wasn't the outcome I was looking for. Yishka? Yeah, I was thinking perhaps it helps for our listeners if we explain what's going on at these brokers, uh, unpack it a little bit, and maybe Karim can add uh, to this understanding where, where, where uh, if I am lacking. But basically, it's it's about the the spreads being big, right? So the the difference between the buy and the sell uh, is kind of big, uh, bigger than at traditional uh, brokerages, which allows them to offer free trades to users, right? Because there is no apparent cost, but there is implicit cost because people are getting a worse price. That's basically it, right? Well, look, look, some some brokers, and uh, without naming them specifically, have been fined and fined you know, time and time again, the same broker for actually offering, for generating worse outcomes for their, for their customers then those customers would have been able to generate if they had been paying a $5 commission as opposed to a free commission. Yeah. And so you're, you're absolutely right, Mieszko, that the, that the outcomes that are being created through this gamification system at you know, some of our competitors is, is creating bad outcomes, uh, you know, uh, yeah, bad outcomes for, for, for users. Yeah. Um, and that, that's exactly the case. And you know, they're using, they use gamification in order to encourage more activity because they're making their intention is to have as much trading go through their brokerage operation as possible because the more trading that goes through the brokerage operation the more money they make because as you're saying that in many cases they're failing or in some cases they're failing to deliver the best price for the customer and that's where and that that that's where they make a little bit of money it's a small amount of money on a large volume so that the incentive of the of the system creator of the brokerage of the financial institution is to have as much trading going on as possible, and that's why they use confetti to to celebrate your first trade. They and I think you know I think that's been that's gone now. But there are still lots of other elements. There are scratch cards to when you first uh, create an account, you get given a free stock. So they're creating this hype environment. You know. Uh, pleasurable environment in order to encourage activity that will produce a good outcome for them, but not necessarily for the customer. And the, the negative, I mean, the negative outcomes for the customer are that they trade too much uh, or that they, which has an implicit uh, and real cost, or that they take too much risk. And so they're directed towards activities that are, frankly, I think totally inappropriate for most retail customers. That is, Karim and, and Mishko, this is, uh, you know, as I mentioned, like I just calculated, it's 29 years ago that we started the journey for Direktanlagebank, which was one of the first discount brokers on continental Europe. 
And um, and and then I would say later in 1996, seven ish, we had the first commission free trading offers coming from the U.S. And Karim, help me. I think that was a married trade or something like that. They showed up with. Uh, we can speak about those names very openly because it's really yes. 20 years ago. <clears throat> yeah. So literally, history is repeating on this because there is, Mishko, as you say, there is. I think consumers need to understand that gamified is something is. There is no free lunch. Full stop. And if you think if you think you're smart because you're saving the money on the commission, you're definitely gonna be skimmed on the on the spread. This is these are the only two ways of making money for a broker. And then we have had the other problem always at DAB Bank as well is yes, we've been execution only. This means we have no advice. Advice in banking is selling, right? If you cannot sell, you cannot make people trade. So you need to have something else that is incentivizing or mobilizing your customer base. Now we speak about gamification and we 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 yeah we see definitely why there is the need for ethics in it, right? So coming back to this and and as the show is part of breaking banks, we need to speak about financial services then Coming back to this, would we think that maybe regulators will take care of this in the future? I hope, please let us avoid that, by the way. Um, just think about the, the department of gamification at a regulator. Um, um, you know, you, I invite you to create your own picture to this. Um, I, I think this could not be the ambition. So, But does it need to have an owner in a company, actually, uh, who's taking care? Mishko, when you speak to your customers, is there an owner of gamification in the company, in the organization? How is, is that a marketing guy? Or, or, or to whom do you speak normally when you speak about gamification of uh, a process or whatsoever? Yeah, that's a very good question. So we, we usually see that this is uh, either the area of the IT department uh, because they are actually the people implementing it nowadays because almost everything is software, right? Hmm. Yeah, um, that, that, that means I have to jump in immediately. I would, this is about my, wouldn't it be my nightmare scenario? Let me phrase it like politely. Because since when is the head of IT department owner of the customer experience? Because since when would the IT department know what the customer wants? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it can be a nightmare, but fortunately, Sorry. you know, uh, no, it's fine. It's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, IT departments, fortunately, nowadays often also have user experience people uh, involved and customer success people. So it's mm -hmm. getting better, right? And yeah. and you know, to tie into what you were saying, I completely agree that what we're seeing at some of these brokerages, but also at different places, is nothing new. Uh, in the sense that, in my opinion, it's not a problem with the gamification. It's a problem with the uh, you know not transparent rules. Uh, and and the, basically the business model, right? People don't know that they're paying these fees. Um, I don't think you have to regulate the gamification because that will be impossible, like you explained, and it will be not clear to who, who you'll be t talking to. But, you know, we have lots of r rules already in place and we don't need much new rules to say that customers need to understand what they are paying for, right? There are a lot of rules uh, to that extent. Uh, in I'm just devil's advocate, and believe me, the calling for the rules is mostly coming from the ones who missed the train to innovation. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was a German construction of a sentence, but I hope I could deliver my message. You know, so I missed that trend into innovation, and this is why I have why I'm calling to regulate the one who is innovative. You know, so I'm, I'm not saying that there's a good reason behind that. Uh, so Melinda, yeah. how, how do you how do you see this, Melinda? Is this is this um, 
how we are discussing that. How, how do you see organizational setup there? Because I also could imagine that some compliance team comes up and says, listen, now we get lawsuits coming in by customers because gamification did drive them into activity they did not want to do. And at least in Germany, I could say that the courts would be very favorable for the customers, right? Yeah. No, and I mean, I think this is where the fact that gamification, I would still argue, isn't really a thing within itself. It gets even trickier because it's, it's, I don't think there's really mechanics we can just put in and say, okay, now it's going to get someone to do something. Like if we use confetti, always somebody will click this button. You know, research also shows that that isn't always the case. But I, I agree completely with all of the arguments on intent and are we using these Uh, narrative forms? Are we using the way we build this experience to hide things or to mask sort of transparency, what the real consequences are? And, you know, whenever any technology comes into question in terms of ethics, to a large part, it is up to the independent companies to, to regulate and design ethically, because it is hard to say what's, what is ethical and what is not in a design principle, because it, is it you know, hey, good job, you finished your account. How would you even start to answer that question if you should be allowed to have confetti or not to it? You know, would it would it be about topic? Would it be about theme? How much confetti you use? So I, I think I could imagine there could be some forms of audits in the future of which independent parties may come in to check to see the transparency level of the experience or app, especially in specific industries. Um, but I think that's probably as close as we would be able to get to regulation due to the fact we're dealing with unpredictable humans using an application of which sometimes, even with the best intent, we don't know what anybody's going to end up doing with it. So. Yeah, we have, we have, Mishko, I, I interrupted you. Sorry for that. Uh, I'll come back to you in a second. We have that uh, regulation of advertising already in financial services. You are not allowed to overpromise. Uh, which means you cannot say, listen, if you when you open up an account with me, you will have a 50 to 500% performance every year. This is, this is not compliant. Mishko, sorry, I interrupted you before. No problem. I, you know, if you don't, I will just be going on and on. So <laughs> no problem there. Now, I think to add to what Melinda is saying, I also feel that, you know, especially in Europe, there is this movement uh, from the European Union to, to open up our algorithms, right? Because algorithms are controlling larger and larger parts of our lives uh, to at least make it uh, clear what the rules are. Uh, and maybe in this type of financial use cases, they will also help, right? Because these, these gamified elements, in the end, they trigger some kind of you know, algorithms who make these trades and make these decisions. I think probably those type of rules are will be more effective to open up the algorithms. People smart people will look at them will post you know articles about some systems being bad or good or or gray uh, and that will already hugely improve the situation where now basically all of this is hidden and closed and you don't really know the rules of the game you're playing i think that's that's the core of the issue Aram, is, is that the point also why you, as a company, an investor, sorry, uh, not only thinking about gamification, but also think about having a game which is clearly separated from your real-world processes, you know, to uh, say... Yeah, look, we, we make a complete distinction between yeah. the educational side, I mean, even from the UI, the, you know, the and the access to the, the real money, because I mean, both we don't want our users to be misled and also we don't want to be... Uh, accused of misleading people by saying, oh, I thought that was real money. I thought I was, you know, 
or I thought it was fake money rather, you know, when, when they when they lose money. Mm-hmm. So, but I think, yes, look, we I think having open algorithms, I think is is fantastic. I mean, to, to Mieszko's point, it gives us the ability to audit. As Melinda was saying, people can look back and say, was this appropriate? Was it not appropriate? But I think there's a recognition, particularly in regulated industries like the finance industry. Uh, the reason it's regulated is because there is an, there's an understanding that this is a serious industry that can have serious outcomes for, for, it, for the consumers. And therefore, it's regulated to ensure that the, the owners or the managers of those businesses have the right degree of responsibility and thought towards their customers. I mean, that's really what we're trying to, what we're trying to drive to. So I think that the, the best way to achieve the right outcomes is to ensure that the, the value system of the company is appropriate. And if you know if you can have a framework to say, I mean, if someone came to me and said, what are your intentions? I would say it's, you know, we're our intent is to help everyone become a better investor and create better future for themselves and to take charge of their future. What tools do you use? We use gamification in education, and we use zero gamification when it comes to real money. So there's a very clear divide. And what outcomes are you hoping to achieve? Well, we're hoping that our users will get better, they'll have better futures, and, and that they'll pay us for that in, in indirectly or directly. And if every you know company could answer those questions very clearly, then I think we'd be we'd be in the right um, you know we'd be in the right place. It's and it's not just narrowly about IT and systems and and the specific tools. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to be a bit critical to what Karim is saying because you know obviously agreed right if every company would be ethical the, the world would be much better. But sure. you know we have this system. Uh, it's called called capitalism, and and you know our, the the biggest responsibility of companies, especially in the Anglo-Saxon model, is to their uh, shareholders, right? So what's good for, for the shareholders is good. Uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. But but okay, there, there, this is an extra session, and we, I, I, you see me leaving immediately my host function, right? <laughs> but capitalism. But my, my response to that, sorry, my, my response to that is to say, I, I believe quite sincerely that in order to maximize profit these days, you need to be responsible and ethical. Because I, I think the way the, con- the consumer awareness and our whole focus on sustainability has ri- risen to such a degree that consumers are not willing, and maybe that you might say this is fanciful, but I think consumers are not willing to support companies that are not, et- not et- ethical. So if I'm a shareholder in a business, I'm going to want my managers to be ethical because I think that is the way that as a profit maximizer, I will make the most money. Certainly in the long, certainly in the long run. Yeah, I agree over the long run. But, you know, for now, uh, it seems consumers are loving these new brokerage apps, right? Uh, people are really uh, investing as never before. So, you know, I, I think there is still a road to get there. But I agree that largely the market will start demanding uh, you know, more transparent and more ethical uh, uh, preference for those type of companies. Yes. Well, I think it's that sort of balance in consumerism where it's like, I really don't want to buy from Amazon because I know the conditions and I have these ethical values and I want to buy local, but Amazon also gets it there in one minute, <laughs> you know? And I, I think in a lot of industries, we see this line with people and ethics when, when we're looking at the user experiences, people do really want to buy from ethical companies. There is definitely absolutely an increase in demand for companies that are behaving in an ethical manner. 
But yet still, if it's like, oh, the user experience of this app is a little prettier than that app, it's hard sometimes to, to explain to people, yes, 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 but <laughs> this is prettier, but this is why this can't be prettier. And I think learning new ways to also explain that and educate people is also part of the road to good ethics that people also can be aware for themselves of what's what's going on here in this situation. So it looks like that it looks as if uh, the way of application of gamification in itself is already delivering another kind of unique selling proposition. Uh, and that in itself, I find to be interesting. Look, folks, actually, we have to conclude our session today. I'm, I'm uh, very sad about it. It's 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 an, it's 50 minutes plus already. So time is flying when you have fun. And, and uh, normally we conclude the session with a kind of each concluding sentence by my my hosts and we do this in the reverse order karim you are obliged to start when you think about gamification in an entrepreneurial environment what what would be your kind of sentence you want to leave to the audience when uh, look, i would say the way we use it learning to invest uh, can be fun it should be fun investing is a serious business though so having that clear distinction and uh, and being transparent with consumers i think is really important Wonderful. Thank you, Karim. Uh, Mishko. Yeah, I would say just, you know, stay true to your why. You know, why are you, did you start your business? So look at those goals clearly, write them down and uh, try to invent fun games and hire a consultant like Melinda to help you uh, come up with, uh, with the intricate system design to achieve those, you know. So uh, start from the, from the why. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mishko. Melinda. I would say quite simply is if you're thinking of using gamification in order to get someone to do something that they're not doing right now, probably you should stop and reassess because it's not the right reason. It's not going to be the right way and it's never going to end exactly how you hope for and it might not be ethical. <laughs> Wonderful. I think that is a perfect, perfect last sentence. And uh, that was episode number 113. The Ethics of Gamification. Uh, stay tuned for the next sessions of Breaking Banks. I do thank my guests for this very lively and, uh, for me, learningful uh, discussion. I think we all achieved uh, a lot of um, extra coins this round. And uh, yeah, well, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.